Black Girl Known promotes holistic wellness and inner beauty for women of color. We encourage self-care, self-love, and self-empowerment for communities of color. Hey, y'all, it's Lauren Ash and Dion Ivory. And thanks so much for listening to the Black Girl Known Podcast. All right, well, let's get into it. Yes. Y'all, we have another amazing guest today. Yes. We do. Another amazing black woman. (laughs) And one thing that y'all might not know is like sometimes when we have guests, we're actually like Skyping them in. Like it sounds like maybe they're in the studio, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the time they're not. And so this season, we're really trying to prioritize getting all of these amazing people Mm -hmm. in our city Mm -hmm. in Chicago into the studio because we can. Chicago is a city that is just so rich and full of just especially amazing women of color yeah. doing phenomenal things. Definitely. So we want to explore that in person. And I love having, I mean, you can see reactions, you know what I'm saying, in person. I can be cackling and then I'll be weird. It's just great. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. So today we're so excited to have Britt Julius with Woo-hoo. us in the studio. Mm-hmm. Hey, Britt. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you of for being course. here. And um, I mean, Britt, she's to me, I she's one of my favorite contemporary writers, period. Thank you. Yes. That means a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and certainly she's going to kind of explain more about what she writes about and what mm-hmm. interests her. But, like, I am just always have a special place in my heart for you, Britt, because um, back when Nick, Ray, and I first started Party Noir um, in, well, now two years ago, um, you were the first person locally to like cover it and write about it and to identify and affirm that what we were doing and creating a space for black joy that centered black women was important. It you know? is important. It still is. <laughs> it's so rare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's one of those, it's it just not to go off completely off top, but I mean, going along with that, you know, I have so many friends from around the country and they look to Party Noir and they're just like, why wow. don't we have that? You know, and they tell me that, you know, mm-hmm. like, cause I read your article or you talk about it or I see that, you know, it's, it's important. And it's, it's, you know, I think maybe sometimes in Chicago, we just assume like, oh, okay, like, well, we have this one thing, but yeah, it's, it's what you all are doing is so critical. Thank you. And so many people are looking at it from like, you know, across the country. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you. It's just, you know, when people, just affirm you yeah. and want to kind of shine light on the work that you're doing. That's what you did. And that's what you continue to do. Try to. Yes. <laughs> that's why writers are so important. Like people would not have known about Party Noir or even thought about kind of creating that space in their own city. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what you're doing is, ab- you're, girl, you're just brilliant. <laughs> <I'm>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe if you could share those who are listening, who are like, wait, I want to know more about Brit Julius. Like <laughs> tell them more about what you yeah. do, what you write about, yeah. why you write. Um, yeah, so uh, I I guess I consider myself just like a writer um, and not just like a journalist because I didn't start off as a journalist and I didn't go to like J school. Um, so I uh, write kind of like a mix of things, sort of, you know, a lot of like arts and culture and music um, and uh, I, you know, everything from... Um, you know, feature stories, which I tend to do a lot of, like, profiles, so, like, you know, I did, like, a profile on, like, Party Noir, um, and, uh, you know, profiles of musicians and dancers, and, 
actors and um, just people doing really sort of like interesting things um, in the world. Sometimes I write about politics as well. Um, for me, as a writer, I try to um, sort of intersect a couple different areas. So, you know, arts and culture, but also, you know, race and feminism and, um, and politics, you know, and sort of kind of look at um, more sort of stories for people who are maybe sort of um, marginalized or right. underrepresented mm-hmm. or um, I would say like the like avant-garde like you know the underdog and the underground like that's kind of what I grew up in that's been my experience like I'm from Chicago I was you know a partier in a club court I was like 16 <laughs> and 17 and stuff like that and um, and so that's always kind of been my experience and then I do a lot of um, a lot of essay writing um, and sort of essay-based works, whether it's sort of like performing live um, and sort of like in, um, like reciting works or, um, you know, publishing for, you know, different outlets. So I've like published essays for um, the New York Times and Esquire and mm-hmm. L and GQ and all those kind of places um, and like working on a, a book project right now that's like essay-based. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what I do. That's, yeah, that's me. Great. Awesome. Well, we have so much to talk about with you. Um, You shared some of your most recent work with us, everything from pieces about Jamila Woods, who we love and we've had on the show, to um, a really um, focused um, exploration of black people in Finland. (laughs) (laughs) That's like my favorite. (laughs) So we're going to just, you know, bop around. Um, I think what I hope will be like a thread of this conversation is just the importance of like honing your voice as a black woman. You know, it might look like becoming a writer or just writing creatively in your journal, or it might look like just like taking ownership more of like your beliefs, your thoughts, your opinions. Um, You know, we talk a lot about confidence, I think in one way or another on our podcast. And I, I'm so blessed to be surrounded in a circle of like hella confident black women, like on the regular. But sometimes I step outside of that. And it's not everybody, you know, and confidence is also a practice, which I'm also really big on talking about. But sometimes I'll meet, especially like a younger black woman and confidence isn't as central to their life yet. So I just find what you do also like to me, like a practice of confidence, you know, like you are boldly sharing your opinions, boldly sharing your perspective and if people disagree, that's whatever, you know? <laughs> but you're still putting it out there, and I think that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've kind of always been, um, I was I was always on the internet, and so I was always, you know, like the, when I was in like fifth grade, like I started like an NSYNC fan website, so I just. Oh, girl, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah. Acting from a young age. Yeah, from a super young age. <laughs> Wait, what like, was the website called? Um, it was just, you know, it was just like, like a general page. Okay. Just like, you know, kind of like whatever, but like I saw others on, um, on what was it like oh god i forgot like the platform but um you know other people had like like geocities geo cities right yeah and other people had sites and i was like i could do a lot better than that like, yeah I was, like, I, don't, I was like i don't like this at all but it was good you know i learned those skills and then like when i was in um seventh grade i actually like won a trip to hong kong for like designing a website for at&t for kids what yeah so <laughs> very very random but like wow that's kind of just, but it's always kind of been my thing where i'm just sort of like i'm like well I'm like, I can do better than that. Or like, let me try. Or, like, ooh, that's girl, that's not yes. like me. Oh, ooh, that's girl, amazing. we got it. Yes, we have that in common. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. amazing. So, yeah. It's like, even even though I like definitely feel like a lot of like insecurities and self-doubt and things like that, I've always kind of 
in my head, I've been like, I'm like, well, if no one's doing it, then I'm mm-hmm. going to have to do it. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's kind of what I, I feel like I, I, you know, try to tell people as well. And, and kind of going along with what you were saying about confidence. It's just like, if it's, if, if you want it out there, sometimes you have to like do it yourself and, exactly. and you have, like build that, um, that confidence in yourself to, to get it done. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love oh it. Goodness. Girl, first of all, so you, it's safe to say that your parents kind of instilled a lot of confidence in you at a yeah. young age. Oh yeah, they're they're definitely like like Afrocentric. Like you know, like oh. my mom was like a you know like a teacher, um, and you know she was always it, yeah. My mom was a teacher. Um, my father he was like a restaurant manager, but he was also like a musician. And all their um, you know friends and our family like have like a lot of artists and a lot of like mm-hmm. academics and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, uh, a lot of them from like you know the west side and the south side of the city. So. Um, just very like, you know, like like African dance classes twice, yes. you know, a week, and you know, like just you know celebrating Kwanzaa, like all that kind of stuff was just very like instilled. Yeah. Um, and I feel like maybe especially coming from like my mother because she was a teacher, she was so aware of like what can happen if you don't sort of you know nurture um, yes. you know your children correctly. And so I mean, she she's retired now. Um, she taught for 35 years, though, so Ooh. she just had that, you know, so she was very, um, just very, I, I don't want to say, like, regimented, but just very, um, she just believed in it a lot, and she yeah. just did, like, a lot for for my sister and I in a way that I, you know, I didn't realize until I was kind of, like, an adult, mm-hmm. and then I was, like, I was, like, oh, wow, I was, like, oh, you didn't have that? Like, you didn't, we, you, you didn't, like, read these books about, we didn't go over, like, you know, Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye. You didn't have that, like, discussion with your mother? Like, no. I was, like, oh, okay. <laughs> wow, like, yeah. We had those, like, intense yeah. discussions, you know, and just kind of, like, you know, pouring over, like, literature and art and film, and, um, and my parents were just very much, still to this day, like, really very much about, like, sort of, um, really imbuing that kind of confidence. So, I mean, when I grew up, like all of my friends like loved my parents. They were just like, like I, I love really your parents. It, it, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like if you met them too, you'd just be like, like, oh, they're like the best dancers in the world, and they're so much fun, and uh-huh. like they're big partiers and things like that. So, um, yeah, all of us would say, yeah, that's that's kind of like the environment that I kind of grew up in. So, that's wow, so well, that's definitely reflected in your adult life. Seriously, Thank the you. confidence, just black <laughs> Afrocentric, yes, baby, all that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's maybe talk about something that has been more um, visible and that happened very recently, which was you interviewing and chatting with Solange yeah. here at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Chicago. Oh All of our crushes, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like. Surreal. I remember the day that um, it was announced online, and that you were the one that was going to be able to, you know, facilitate the conversation with her. And I was just so proud. I was like, yeah. But it yes. totally made sense. Totally it made, made sense. It made so much sense. Yeah. And I think I mentioned this to you. I'm like, duh. Like, who else? Who else? <laughs> so could you share more about, like, that whole experience, like, from beginning to end? Yeah. So um, I got an email from um, Mark Richardson, who is uh, editor-in-chief of Pitchfork. And he's always been kind of like a... a champion of mine which is very strange he used to read like my tumblr back in the day and he was like you should write for us and i had not really done music writing before that and so like i was writing about 
you know, dance and um, visual art and things like that. And I was like, okay. Um, but uh, he had emailed me. And it was a long email, maybe like five or six paragraphs. Oh, wow. He was like, you know, like, oh, he's like, I missed you at Pitchfork. How are you? You know, so-and-so just going on. And I was like, oh, this is so nice. Like, I haven't talked to him in, in years. <laughs> and then, like, at the bottom, he's like, oh, also, so we have this thing called Inside Out, you know, and he's like, we would love for you to do it, blah, just going on and on. He's like, and it would be with Solange. Are you interested? Talk to you later. Like, it was so – I'm I was just, you know, I was at, um, I was at reunion, yes. um, where I often, you know, work during the day and it was just me and, um, Elijah yes. and I like stood up from my desk and I was just like, Oh <laughs> my God. And Elijah's like, what, what's going on? What's happening? Yes. I had to like kind of like calm down and breathe. Cause I was like, I, I was like, I had to like reread it again. Yes. I was like, I don't know if this is correct. Cause he said all this other stuff ahead of this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, uh, yeah. So he asked me and I was like, why would you even ask me you should have just told me like you had to be here you know like exactly it wasn't even, like, asking like I would have just moved like it's a no-brainer right? yes. <laughs> no-brainer um and so so that's kind of how it um that was maybe back, like back in July and um I uh yeah so that was back in July and then I wasn't exactly sure when they were going to announce it so I kind of had to keep it a secret like the only people who knew were um, like Kristen and Elijah, obviously, because they were there. Um, <laughs> like my sister and my mother and my dad. Um, and that was pretty much it. So mm-hmm. it was just kind of like, just, you know, I was like, I don't know when they're going to announce it. And then they finally, like, I guess sent out, a, I got a press release about it because I um, get like a lot of press releases from the MC. I'm like, oh, okay, this is going live in like an hour. And so, oh my God. Um, so like the, the news was going live and they announced it. And I, think, I don't think I've ever had anything on Facebook, like, get as many likes yes. as that post, except for maybe, like, the selfie I took with Solange. Yeah. Like, and so it was just, it was so surreal, um, and uh, I was super nervous and paranoid. Um, I was really upset that a lot of people weren't able to go, but... Including us. Yeah. We mm. tried. We're that not even going to talk about that. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, it was <laughs> it was tough. Like, my, I only got two guest list spots, and wow. I gave them to my mother and my sister, you know? Like... Um, like my dad couldn't even, you know, I felt, I felt bad. Then he was like, he's like, I don't know her music. So yeah. yeah, my sister is so stoic. And so just like, she'll never, she'll never let, she'll never let anything show, you know? So she was just like, oh, like, so do you have an extra spot for someone? It looks very, just so <laughs> chill. She would never be, she would never ask me. It's very just, yes. you know, I was like, okay. She's like, okay, great. And then my mother was like, your sister was so upset. She, you know, thought she was going to get tickets and then you weren't going to invite her. She, you know, but she would never <laughs> tell me that. Right? Yeah. She's my older sister. And yes. she, you know, um, and so, uh, but yeah, so I, um, you know, uh, we, I got there and um, I met her and it was so, um, She's, I think it was one of those things where I've like, I've interviewed a lot of celebrities and done like a lot of those kind of like kind of live interviews, but that was probably like the most high profile one, right? Because it Mm. got like national and international attention. Um, But she, so you never know kind of like how um, celebrities and those kind of people are going to be because I've had really great interactions and I've had really like poor interactions Mm -hmm. and it's just sort of what their personality is like. She is, you know, without a doubt, probably like one of like the kindest. Um, wow. Um, and, and I say kind, not nice, but just like this, like incredible, like genuine, like kindness. Um, you know, uh, people that I've ever sort of like, you know, um, interviewed. It was so like astounding to me. And the whole time, I'm like, like why? Is she? I'm like, she's so nice. I'm like, I don't. What do I do? Like, she's so kind. She's yeah. so just mm-hmm. generous and like, you know, just giving hugs and just Southern like, holding hospitality. Your hand. Really, it really is. Like, it, you, you know, you realize once you're like around it more, you're like, oh right, this is what this is. Mm-hmm. You know, just really respectful and just so um but then also you know she's just so chill and just so um interesting and I I found that like the you know people around her were like that as well and it was just such a 
blessing <laughs> and it was such like an amazing experience and it was I I had so much anxiety ahead of time and then we're just like backstage and she's just like you know she's like oh my god she's like I've read so much of your work and it's beautiful and, and I was like okay this I was like that makes sense because she probably would like you know not want to um just like have anyone I guess right you know? yeah. um and it was just really like I just I can't I smile now it was just it was it was like better than like I than I expected and, and that I wanted and um she's just such like a g- genuine person yeah. does that make Beautiful. sense no that makes a lot of sense <laughs> yeah. it was just it was so like it was so like reassuring yeah. and just like oh god like it, you know the people that you admire and that you respect and that you take a lot of um uh you know influence from like it's so great that they actually sort of like live up to those things or they yeah. sort of exceed those expectations yes, and definitely um you know I've been a fan of hers for years like I'd seen her live before um uh yeah, like years before at Pitchfork and things like that and um when A Seat at the Table came out last year I was going through a really bad um depressive period and I hadn't written anything really in like a month and a mm-hmm. half and mm-hmm. it was just like just re- I mean like really 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 bad and like just it, like I don't even know like I can't even really remember September of 2016 um and then the album came out and I was asked to do a review of it for Cosmo and I was like okay and so I'm like listening to it and I literally spent the entire weekend just walking around my neighborhood and listening to the album on repeat and it was Mm. that was the first like real significant piece of writing that I had written in months Mm. and it really just like got me out of the funk because it was like it was like someone was actually like addressing the things that were really sort of making me really um you know just sad and and depressed and and all of those kind of feelings and um so it really meant a lot that like almost a year to the day of the Mm, album coming out mm -hmm. that I like got to meet her and interview her and tell her about that so that's beautiful that's so beautiful I felt every word I felt like I met her through your description of your interaction I'm glad oh first of all I love their mother Tina Knowles like I'm obsessed with her yes and she's like she seems like a very genuine person too Mm -hmm. just very sweet and kind yeah so that makes a lot of sense that Solange would reflect you know her mother's attributes. Yes. Even though I ain't met Tina, I know. But I follow her right? on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's like, okay, I got that vibe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So since we're talking about music, I mean, because that's, I, I love all of your writing, but I, I remember reading um, last year for the first time I looked through Pitchfork's lineup of like their best songs. Oh, God. I and your this description of, um, Beyonce's formation video I was like oh my goodness <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then right now you just spoke to uh, what I perceive as like the link between self care and music and I'm like that's just like one of my that is one of my aspects like one of my acts of self care you know yeah. like previously I sang and now I'm just mm. someone who's actively consuming music yeah. and in the space and increasingly interested in like producing different like videos and things like that so could you speak more about like like why you view music as so important um either as like a tool of like uplift or affirmation or release or like therapy in some senses like how does that um how does that like show up in your life I definitely view it as all of those things. <laughs> um, I grew up in a, a, a super musical household. Um, my father, you know, played um, plays multiple instruments, so the drums and the bass and, you know, guitar. Um, I grew up playing instruments as well. I was a singer. I was, like, classically trained. I used to compete and do all that kind of stuff in, in high school. Um, and uh, But I think, you know, from, like, a kind of philosophical standpoint, I've always kind of felt like, 
um, you know, music sort of like mimics the beating of our hearts. And so that's why we have music in, in every single, you know, culture. Like there's no culture where it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. It's very, um, you know, it's one of the most pure art forms that we have, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's something that is literally, you know, can be born out of us. It's just like our vocal cords. For, and it's, you know, and it's most simple, um, sort of like, you know, simple construction. And I feel like dance is the exact same way as well, where it's, it's our most, you know, pure art form in that it's just the physical body it's our yes. physical beings it's coming right out of us um and it's it's a really sort of you know raw and inherent form of um expression and um and that's kind of like the connection that i i really feel with music where i feel almost like um i kind of was actually like put this on facebook today like a physical connection to music where i can just sort of it feels like i can just it's i'm not just hearing a song but i feel it all in yes, me ma'am. and you know it really is the form of art that I can always turn to and immediately turn to to help me whether I need like you know release or an uplift or um, someone to just sort of like clarify things or to confirm things in my mind Um, and so you know it for me it has kind of all of those those different purposes and it it just um I, like I know, like I know, I'm in like a bad place if I don't want to listen to anything, and I'm always listening to something. Oh yes, ma'am. Um, you yeah. know, girl. Yes. <laughs> like before I came here, I was listening to uh, Beyonce School in Life, which is my favorite. Oh Beyonce. my god, I love that song. I love that it's song. It's so good. It's so good, and it's just so like I've always said, like it was like the romantic comedy of my life would like have that song in it because it's just so yes. happy and mm-hmm. so just joyful and and on a rainy day like today, that's a yes, good song. That's actually, you know, I was um I I. Uh, was um on a podcast for spotify and um they asked me if i could talk about the fact that and it's true um that chicago is the only place in the country where according to like spotify's sort of you know statistics um that when it's like rainy or kind of like snowy people tend to listen to uplifting music mm. everywhere else in the country you know it's like raining it's like oh, okay i'm gonna listen to something really sad like you know put on the nina simone put on the you know really quiet things like that chicago it's like house music you know or it's like dance yes. music or it's oh like God. rap music and yeah. it's always they're like and they were saying like, like yeah like it's like our you know statistics show that it's just no like no other city is like that's wow. such an interesting you know like <laughs> evaluation right and so they were just like they're like well can you like speak a little bit more to that you know as a chicago and i was like i mean i was like our weather can be pretty awful here and if we only listen to like sad music mm-hmm. you know when the weather is terrible then it would be like six months out of the year we're listening yep. to really sad mm-hmm. music it can be kind of depressing you know um but uh yeah I, I think like in general for me like i'm i'm almost always like listening to music um i'm always you know thinking about music um i love so many different you know genres and varieties of music though I think I have a super you know especially you know special place in my heart for you know R&B and soul um and then you know house music as well as a Chicagoan like those are just my that's my those are my roots um that's what I grew up listening to it's my parents are always playing um and when I'm like doing reviews, I'm talking about like I'm not doing like a review of like an indie rock band or something like that. <laughs> right. Even though I listen to you know, I listen to that a lot and I went through like a phase of that like in college. But um, you know, yeah, I guess that's a lot about music. You can see I have a lot of thoughts on music. Yes, so as you should. That's great. Yeah. You I mean, I'm just happy that you share the same amount of passion that we have. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because that's literally how I feel. Music is everything. Yes. Like I don't know. It just it pulls so many emotions out of you. I remember. So I have a friend named Mecca. She lives in New York. She posted this Instagram video, and it was like the chopped and screwed version of Lifetime by Maxwell. Mm. First of all, I'm obsessed. Both of us are equally obsessed We're with in Maxwell. Love with him. Like I, that werewolf looking man. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh yes he is just yes but his voice is like just so pure and yeah. i'm just like how do you sound like this but that chopped and screwed version my god i didn't listen to that girl it will give you that's a good review that's a good review well yeah. you know i do what i can <laughs> No, it's, um, I recently started a new uh, weekly wellness ritual, and um, Dion, you'll be happy about th- I don't know if I've told you, um, but it's partially inspired by one of yours, which is taking a bath. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's, it's inspired by a lot. So my grandmother passed away, like, mm. two months ago. I'm so sorry. Thank you for that. Um, it's really interesting. Like, it's the first time I've lost someone, like, really, really deeply important to me and someone that I'm also, like, very spiritually connected to. Yeah. Um, and so it's my first time going through the whole, like, my grandmother passed. And then there's always this ritual, but I do appreciate it. Right. Um, but so she passed away peacefully in the bathtub. Mm. And when I think back on my childhood with her being, like, one of my main caretakers, like, she was, like, my babysitter. Like, I didn't go to random people to Same. get cared for. Like, I went to my grandma's house. And she was, like, she took a bath every day. Like, that was, like, one of her things. Like, and then I spoke with my mom, and she remembers being a kid and drawing a bath for her mother. And so when I learned that she passed away in the bathtub, like, I think I made this, like, commitment to myself. Like, that's going to be one way that I connect with my grandmother, but also connect with myself, which I feel like is the same thing because Mm -hmm. I am her. And so the thing about me is I, like, you know, I... (laughs) still working on it really 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 enjoying just spending time with myself so one of the things that I've done to keep myself in the bathtub is I listen to a full album oh that's nice yeah because it forces me like it forces me to do something that I love anyway which is relax mm. and also listen to music yeah. and I realize that even though I love and I've always loved the act of actually listening from an album from beginning to end I rarely do that because life right. mm-hmm. so I force myself to like sit in there so first, I've only been doing this for um, for three weeks. So first, it was Daniel Caesar's album, which oh. I am obsessed. So good, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so good. Woo! Definitely one of the best. Of the year. I have lots of thoughts. <laughs> I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. And then I listened to um, shoot, 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 shoot. I'm gonna. It's gonna come back to me later. Okay. Um, and then this past week, I just revisited Eric Badu. Mm. But I, that's like my my ritual now. Yeah. And it's so amazing. I love it. Sounds very soothing. <laughs> that sounds yeah. great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's. Uh, you also talk a lot about culture. I mean, music is culture, right. of course. But what is like one of the things that you've written about lately that you're just like the most excited about? Um, well, something that I'm working on right now, so I haven't officially written it, but I'm in the research stage, in the interviewing stage, is, um, have you heard of the gospel mime culture? Like, mm, sub-scene? No. Gospel mimes. Mime? Mime. Yeah. yeah. I am so intrigued. But, like, like gospel. So they do it, like, to, like, in churches, um, and, like, to, like, gospel music. Um, oh, and yeah. It's a very southern thing. Yeah. So we just call it miming, though. Yeah. Wait, you know about gospel mimes? My, people, people who mime are in churches, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've never heard that, of this like, in my whole life. That, it's a southern thing. Yeah, yeah more like Sunday. Yeah. Like they get up there, they do. We used to mock. Are you talking about bad, like praise dancing? Is this the same thing? But this thing? is like dudes. It's, yeah, it's kind of similar, but like not. The they same. have like masks on, mm-hmm. and they're like. <laughs> yeah. I just did Those this movie. Who can't see Dion, <laughs> just know that it was it was something special. Yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm about to go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I've I like I find it to be the most. So I'm doing a story on that, and I I like didn't have you know i'm from the north right i'm from chicago like i grew up on the west side so i was like i don't know um but uh i 
I find it so interesting. Um, and my wow. mother didn't know anything about it either. This you know? is so interesting. Yeah, coming it's from so normalized yeah. to me, you know? <laughs> yeah, so I'm, d- I'm doing a story on that. Um, and uh, I, I think that's really, they're having a huge conference in Chicago this weekend. Oh, my God. Yeah. I would love to see them. <laughs> Wait, there's a conference? Yeah. And they all go there dressed as mimes, Perform, too? Perform, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's so beautiful. I'm so glad that you're um, sharing this because, you know, for people like me, I have this is the first time I've ever seen it. Um, I'm watching it on YouTube right now. <laughs> this is honestly hilarious. Girl, yeah, I'm like, girl, this is every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you're shining light on something that not everybody knows about. Yeah. Um, and it's also very culturally specific, too, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's um, that's something that I'm that I'm working on that has is really exciting me. Why is it? Why are you drawn to it? Um, you know, I'm always kind of well, I'm always kind of interested in sort of um, uh, um I, I kind of like consider it almost like subcultural like black traditions basically mm-hmm. um so I've always kind of really been fascinated by that whether it's like through like music or art or things like that and I've written about it a lot um I actually I was thinking about it recently because um I had uh I ordered a I, an essay that I wrote for Vice is now like in a textbook for like American subcultures and it's about like Girl, black amazing <laughs> that is like a phenomenal well I, I ordered the textbook because I just wanted to see it you know and so I was like okay you know and then I realized like textbooks are expensive but um <laughs> but <laughs> they <it's>, are <laughs> but it's about um it's about like I wrote like an essay about like New York City like black American subcultures and how like mainstream um like corporations were like stealing from them so things like like ghetto goth and, and things like that mm. um and so but uh, yeah, I was literally just thinking about that because I was like, where's my book? It hasn't arrived yet. <laughs> but, um, but it's kind of been like, I, I'm always kind of interested in like, not just sort of like the mainstream stories, you know, but sort of like what are like the parts of, um, you know, uh, black culture that maybe aren't always reported on, but then like you, you know, you know, but mm-hmm. then I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. coming from like the west side of Chicago, you know, um, and like, um, and you're from, you're from like, like I'm up from here. a suburb of like Lily White Twin Cities. Exactly. Like, yeah. There's, <laughs> yeah. We are all from very different, but still black, you know, upbringing. Exactly. Which is so interesting. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of what I've just, um, I've always sort of been um, fascinated by. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm working mm-hmm. on like another piece. Um, I've kind of, I'm sure you. I'm sure you've heard of like like the Wiener Circle in Lincoln Park. I'm sorry, the Wiener Circle. <laughs> that just <laughs> sounds the very circle? odd. Wiener circle. I just think about dogs or like hot dogs. <laughs> hot dogs. Yeah. So it's a it's a hot oh. dog restaurant. Yes. Oh. In Lincoln Park, and it's like known oh. for like basically like it has like a lot of like um, black women who like work there, and like they come in and they just like sort of, sort of like yell at like, all the like. I have heard of this. Girls. Yeah. Wait to go there. Say it one more time, girl. They do what, girl? Oh yeah, sorry. They, <laughs> I got excited and I just <laughs> yelled over it, they, which is what they do, right? <laughs> they yell at like all the like like white men who like come into like the you know because they're, they're all like like drunk and so and so, and it stays open until like six seven o'clock in the morning, and so they like they'll come in you know and like they'll like, if they're saying some like races like like. I don't know. No, yes. Yeah, so that's what they're like known for, like like nationally like known for, right? So people go there and like like white people are like like yell at me, you know. So it's very strange, but I that is very odd, <laughs> very eerie. <laughs> but um, I'm I'm working on a story. I want to um uh, sort of 
get to know the women who work there because a lot of them That's have been amazing. working there for like 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Wow. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it's their livelihood. They, um, you know, um, and I think when people sort of talk about the Wiener Circle, they talk about sort of like the overarching narrative, but they don't necessarily like get to know the people who actually work there. They're just right. like, they're like, there's some black women who yell at the people there. I'm like, okay, well, a lot of, you know, a lot of the women who work there have been working there for a long time. And yeah. I'm sure they have really interesting stories. Yes. And like, you know, for me, I'd kind of be interested in hearing, you know, how do you sort of reconcile some of you know what you're hearing because people will like try to dish it back to them and they'll get like real racist you know they'll start yeah, throwing yeah. Them the and things like that and it's like how do you sort of like deal with that on like on a daily basis because i know for myself you know i'd be in jail for beating mm-hmm. someone's ass you know, just yeah like, straightforward mm-hmm. i was like i have no tolerance for like anything you know like that and so um so that's another story i'm kind of interested in just sort of um getting to cover so i i just love kind of writing about um kind of yeah like subcultural black communities like like black girls in finland you know (laughs) i (laughs) love your approach like i i always love like a what's the better way to say weird news yeah but i mean yeah yeah, i'm like things that normally that's why i love vice i'm like you guys are covering (laughs) things i no one ever thinks about you know and it brings light to things that are in issues that are important so i really appreciate you for doing that thank you wow wiener circle (laughs) okay (laughs) well speaking of finland let's get into that article because i think it also relates to black girl gnome in a lot of ways um so um dion and i both read it this morning but it's your piece in broadly Mm -hmm. Um, it's titled creating a community for brown girls in one of the world's whitest countries. And I was like, what (laughs) the world's whitest country? Because, you know, in the U S like still, there's so much work to be done, um, in terms of like representation in the media and the ways that we're represented in the media. I could shout out some brands right now that are doing it very poorly, but we all know who they are. (laughs) 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 Anyway, so, (laughs) um, they're, was an attention that you brought in this piece about um, that really to me stress like how intense it is there you know you mentioned like getting on the plane to go to Finland and already having two of the flight attendants touch your hair yes like we've all been there unfortunately where it happens but like imagine a flight attendant like they're not supposed to invade your your personal boundaries anyway yeah there's no reason for, I mean, it was, it was, I think the flight was maybe like 30, 40 minutes, right? Between like Sweden and Finland. And they were just like, oh my God. And this is when I had like dreads in my hair. And I was like, oh gosh, this is going to be just like, you know, the, the, it's going to be strange. Right. And I think like Finland's a sort of place where, um, it didn't feel as it was it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I'll say that as much, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people were definitely like fascinated by me, but they knew I was American almost immediately, right? Um, because I'm I'm African American, right? So I'm not like and and the black people who tend to be in Finland, they tend to be like African immigrants, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they could tell. Like they were just like Oh, gotcha. Yeah. They were like 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 America or Canadian. Yeah. yeah. Like they just they knew immediately. Um, and so I think in that aspect they were also probably like nicer to me than how than than how they are towards um the actual residents but, yeah because you know from their stories and that's what i, I kind of talk about in that piece is like yes. their, their experiences are far more different you know living there than than me just sort of like visiting for like two weeks and just wow. being like oh it's so great and it's so different and x y and z you know um but uh yeah it's a it's a really interesting country i think like my experiences there were not as um kind of intense as they were when I went to Germany and you know um, earlier this year which was Germany was beautiful and it was interesting and um, but 
I was in southern Germany, which is probably like a lot more racist than like northern Germany, mm. as it is in like most places, right? right. Like something about the south. Something about the south. What? It's always like the warmer climates just make people kind of just more close-minded. I don't know what it is. It's wow. very strange. Um, and you know, it's very tense there with like the the amount of like immigrants that are coming in and things like that. Um, but yeah, I think those kind of countries, it's it's really they. It's hard to describe, but they. Um, they, you know, they, they loved me when I was just, oh, I'm like an American. And then, um, and I didn't include this in the piece, but then in, um, while we were there, there was a terrorist attack in Sweden. Wow. And so then when we, like, literally as soon as that happened, it was like, like, just eyes on me. Like, yes. who are you? Like, oh bumping. My God. It was very, it was oh like, a, like a switch flipped, you know? Because they were, all of a sudden they recognized me as being like an outsider, you know? And my sister being like an outsider. And we were, they were just like, we don't, luckily, like, that was maybe like, a day or two before we left, you know, but then when I went That's to the awful. airport, they treated me like crap. That's awful. And just like, you know, like, you know, I normally go to the airport and they kind of just, you know, kind of like go through yeah. your hair and stuff like that or whatever. First of all, when I came in, they didn't do that. They didn't go through my hair at all, but like going through, you know, sometimes they'll like go through your block, like, and your hair is not like straight. They'll That's just so disrespectful off top. I'm so used to it now. Like, I just, it, it happens to me every, literally every single time I'm at the airport. No one's done that to me. Like, and I'm, I'm surprised. Because no Cynthia, you. baby, she'd be outrageous. <laughs> yeah, Seriously. It happened to me. I went to California. My, my hair was like. What? I think it's, it's happened just to like, me as well. Mm-hmm. But it depends on how my hair is. Yeah, yeah. If it's like, if it's in a fro, um, they'll, it always happens. If my hair is in any form of braids, it always happens. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It happens with me more when I have braids. Yeah. They're always thinking, like, like what do you have? Oh, they're always, like, you know, like, take it down. Like, sometimes I'll have, you know, kind of, like, it pinned up. Or Girl, they mess it. up the whole flow mm-hmm. of the look. See? Yes. Mm-mm. I hate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've, got, I've gotten so used to it now that I'm always like, okay, take the hair down, put it straight back, you know. And, like, I'll go through the, the metal detector and kind of just, like, lean my hair back because I know they're going to search it, right? Like, yeah. I know they're going to go through that whole thing. Um, so but, like, yeah, like, coming back from, from Finland and Sweden, I mean, they're just, like, like yanking my hair and just trying to, like, you know, I was like, oh these grubby like you know airport workers hands in my hair and like you know they took like my um taking like my bag and like, my suitcase and literally like pulling everything out of it they weren't doing it to my sister right and like I I knew it was kind of like yeah. the dress right like I yeah. knew it was um my sister's just sort of like waiting there and they're just going through like what is this and I was like it's a microphone you know like what is this it's a camera like it was not great and I, the I, switch I, was so oh immediate I always forget about the whole airport experience. I mean, I just feel like that's so personal. Like, mm-hmm. why is there not a law against that? Right. Like, this is my hair that grows out of my head. Yeah. It's because of terrorism, Dion. Right. <laughs> that's all like, I was like, hiding things in my braids and hiding things in my dreads. And so, yeah. ugh. This Disgusting. speaks to something that I think is important. Um, you've been traveling a lot more yeah. um, recently. And have you learned how to like take care of yourself like have you learned different like wellness or just like lifestyle like choices that you make when traveling to not exhaust yourself yeah or to like fend off the bs that you experience in some of these places i always know that i'm going to um be accosted for my hair if i go into a majority white country that's just how it is right like when i when i flew in through like um heathrow uh going to um germany like it was they didn't care, you know, they were just, mm-hmm. everyone was treated the same because, mm-hmm. you know, London is so much more, you know, diverse than like anywhere yeah. else um, wow. in Europe. So um, I was like, I was like, oh, this is just like being in Chicago, right? Like, mm-hmm. like they don't care, you know, very like sort of nonchalant. But um, I, I kind of, you know, prepare myself for a couple of things. So like I was saying before, like uh, to... Uh, 
like minimize the experience that's going to happen with my hair because my hair is either like natural and in a fro, you know, or it's if I'm traveling like natural in a fro or like in braids just to protect my, you know, mm-hmm. protective styles and things like that. Um, you know, I always have it down. I always have it straight back. You know, I always like immediately start leaning back. I wear certain things because I know they're always going to do like a really intense body search on me. Um, and that's been happening since I was like maybe 19, 20 years old. Like that just, I'm always the one who's like pulled aside and it's just like, real rough pat downs and I don't know why but I'm just like so sorry you know you can feel really humiliated so it's just like just I try to just minimize that whole experience Um, unless I'm going through a hair in which case they're always just like you know okay girl you know like true (laughs) true that's true so I'm always like like, people complain about O'Hare but I have a great time there (laughs) I was like we have lots of black women working at O'Hare they do (laughs) so I always feel very comfortable there Um, but uh, um, so I I try to do that Um, I kind of have to stick to a not like super regimented, but kind of like regimented diet because I have a lot of um, like digestive issues. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really easy when um, you go to other places to just like really kind of fall off of that wagon. Girl, <laughs> you know? we know. We got to say a little bit. Especially like when I went to, it was really hard when I was in Germany and Switzerland because that's the kind of place where they don't really have like vegetables that aren't potatoes wow. right are you serious oh i'm so serious and it was so hard That's you know so and like everything was meat it was it was pork schnitzel it was this it was that <laughs> i was just like i was like can i get a salad and they give you a salad and it's got like like sausage on it i'm like oh my god wow <laughs> i would love no. that place <laughs> okay not anymore guys i'm just joking <laughs> <laughs> it was so hard and like the only like vegetarian things you could probably get were like either like this kind of potato soup thing um or like like they would ha- they always had like a pasta on the menu and i was like i can't have pasta every single day like yeah. it was it was hard so i you know sort of going to like like figuring out where the grocery stores were buying things fixing things myself you yeah know? Mm-hmm. um always um always you know having my tea with me having my i learned when i went to Germany and Switzerland I didn't have all my medicine with me like I was like I'm not gonna get sick and then I got really 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 sick Mm -hmm. on like the last couple days that I was there and I you know in Switzerland they're they're very which is it's great you know very eco-friendly very you know just me out of flowers and x y and z and all these sort of things but I'm like allergic to like a lot of like you know flowers and floral kind of stuff and and that kind of medicine so I was really struggling Mm -hmm. um and so just making sure that I kind of have everything with me in that sense mm. um drinking lots of water which is really basic but then you realize you forget because you're on the go exactly and, yeah and like water in other places it's not like how it is here it's such a strange thing to consider but like a lot of european countries like you're not going to a restaurant and they're just they're not going to put a glass down and pour you some water right like you have to ask for it every time wow. and you get into such a habit of just you know like okay well just we'll get a beer we'll do this we'll do that and then all of a sudden like you're you're waking up sick which is exactly what happened to me mm-hmm. um yeah, so really kind of like basic things like that. Um, but for me, it's kind of if I don't do those things, then I almost immediately like will get sick or get tired. And then I, I can't do the work that I'm supposed to be doing while I'm in those specific places. Mm-hmm. And it really kind of just messes things up for me. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank Dang. you. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a lot. <laughs> travel and self-care is just something that I'm increasingly interested in. Yeah. yeah especially because life is turning up. Yeah. The glow up is real. Exactly. We on the go. Exactly. We got to be ready. 
I think by the time this podcast comes out, we're, we'll actually be in New York working on something super special. Oh. First of all, every time, because Cardi B, I just be like, ow. <laughs> like it's a, I literally can't stop doing it. <laughs> I don't. Please don't. Awesome. Well, um, what tips do you have or what thoughts do you have for young, aspiring women of color who are like, I want to write? Yes. I was going to ask that too. Yeah. <laughs> and not necessarily write in a public way, but just like the art and yeah. the praxis of writing. And the psychological impact that it has on you Absolutely. as a writer. Yeah. Um, most importantly, like uh, journaling every day. Um, when I was like, I started, I, I've, I've had journals since I was like in the fourth grade. And most of them, like my mother has, my mother has all the like elementary school, junior high and high school ones um, in uh, at like their house. And um, I have all the ones from college and after college. Um, but uh, journaling is so important just because you kind of, you start to realize um, what you like and what you don't like and what matters to you. And it's a method of just sort of expressing yourself um, in a world that doesn't really give us a lot of opportunities to express ourselves, you know? Um, and I think, you know, for me, I was often, when I was younger, just feeling this intense, like, like I would be, I would feel like intense rage because I was so, you know, you get older and you start realizing how unjust the world is mm-hmm. and not really having any place to express those thoughts and so I started really getting into journaling around like maybe 16 or 17 um because I I, I knew like I was like if I don't express it here like I'm just going to like explode right and right I was kind of exploding at my parents um in a way that you know they were like we don't understand what's wrong she's so mm-hmm. upset you know or I'd be really sad and and not have an outlet for that because people don't really understand sad black girls right like they, mm. they, they like who, what is this like who is this like we don't you know just dance for us why are you upset and just, you oh know my God. <laughs> and as a singer and as a dancer growing up you know I, I did like competitive dancing and stuff and so I would just kind of feel these these really intense raw thoughts not have anywhere to put them and mm-hmm. for me it kind of became the sort of thing where I realized I'm like I don't want to dance <laughs> I was like I don't want to sing but I do want to write because this to me feels like the most natural and the most important thing in my life yeah um and it was the thing I cared about the most and I always had a journal with me and I have a journal with me now right yeah um, and so uh that's that's probably like the most important thing you'll just by doing it every day and it doesn't have to be like a really formal like you know today's October 23rd (laughs) and um you know I would just often sometimes I would only write maybe like a hundred words like really basic things Mm -hmm. um but just kind of constantly allowing the thoughts that are in my head have a place to go and looking at them and seeing them you know so sometimes I would write like 10 pages of just thoughts and and just keep going and I would almost like be in a trance right yeah. just getting it all out and then sometimes I would write two sentences mm-hmm. yeah like, that's how it is great. yeah love today you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but it, it was just for me it was really healthy and and you know it's kind of that like like that adage where like the more you do it the better you get at it right mm-hmm. um I didn't go to like a journalism school um, I went to a school that gave me like a full academic scholarship, right? <laughs> like that yes. my parents were like, that's where, that's where you're going. So I was like, of course, like that makes so much sense. And so, um, and, and that was kind of an insecurity for me. I was like, well, am I, I don't have like the right, you know, the, you know, prestige from my school or mm-hmm. I don't have this training for training. Yeah, yeah. You know, all those things. But I also kind of felt like I'm like, I feel like I'm a good writer. Yeah. Right. So like, I feel like I, I, you know, maybe it's not developed to the place that it needs to be, but I know that like what I'm thinking is not 
bad and it's not stupid yeah. and mm-hmm. it's not wrong. Um, and so um, just having that kind of like consistent outlet really like allowed me to just sort of grow and develop. And I can kind of trace, um, you know, I can look and see like, okay, like sometime around here, like I started, my writing started to change a little bit. Or, yeah. And, um, and that, that really helped me in my career because, because I didn't have, like, I didn't go to the right schools um, or I didn't have the right connections. I didn't live in New York, you know, but I had, like, a really, really, really popular Tumblr. Had, like, 200,000 followers. Right? Wow. On Tumblr? Um, on Tumblr? Girl, that's a different ballgame. I know, right? <laughs> like, that's where, because I was, like, listed under, like, culture. It was, like, all of the, it was, like, it was, like, the fader and, like, you know, like, all of these sites, like, BuzzFeed. And then it was just, like, me. Like, my wow. Tumblr was listed un- under culture, right? Because yes. I wrote about all these different things and I talked about all these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I f- like I found a community of people who wanted to hear what I had to say, which right. was very astounding for me because, you know, I grew up, you know, always just being told by the outside world, not by my parents who were just like, you know, my parents always had like the, the belief that like you could do anything you want to do. You just got to do it well, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like you want to be an actor, like, like you just better to like, you know, train as much as you can and like study and do so-and-so. And they felt the same way about writing. Right. Um, and, you know, so my parents were really supportive, but the outside world was just kind of like, we don't care or, you know, we don't know where you fit in or you don't, you know, you haven't networked with us in the right way or you're a woman. So you're just already kind of kicked out. You're a black woman. We definitely don't know what to do with you, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so, you know, I created essentially the outlet for myself, um, to write. And that was really important. I was doing it every day, multiple times per day. Um, and it's kind of like what I was saying before, like I, I didn't have, you know, it, it felt like, okay, well, if that's not available for me, then I'm just going to have to create it for myself. Yes, ma'am. And that's the the thing that I tell lots of, um, you know, women who want to be writers, lots of women of color and lots of black, you know, young women in particular, is that it's going to be so much harder in a way that you you just, you don't even, like I, I was told it was going to be harder and I didn't, know what that really meant until until you were actually in the heat of Mm -hmm. it yeah yeah and it's it's um because it's a complex sort of difficulty it's a mix of you know people not giving you opportunities but if they are giving you opportunities only wanting you to do certain types of things right um you know only considering you if it's about certain things um and and uh yeah, so I think those are kind of like the two um, largest things is, is um, you know, writing every day and journaling every day and just, you know, giving yourself permission to express yourself, yeah. which is so key as a writer. Yeah. Because I constantly get asked, you know, like, um, like who told you you can be a writer? Like, no one. <laughs> I just did mm-hmm. it. My, I just, I told myself I could be a writer, right? Yes, like, I gave myself permission to, like, have that dream yeah. and to pursue it and to do it every day, even if I wasn't getting paid for it, because I wasn't getting paid for it, right? Mm-hmm. And that was so key. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and um, for, for young black women in particular, um, you know, if you can, like, find a mentor. I couldn't, I, I didn't have one, right? Just, they're just, they just, weren't really around right and um and I really wish I could have had someone that I could just talk to um because I didn't know if I was doing anything right I didn't know if I was just a lot of I had a lot more self-doubt that could have been um alleviated if I had someone just kind of being like you're capable you can do this x y and z you know um yes I think those are kind of like the the three main things but largely it's just sort of um, a, a real 
strong sense of confidence and belief in yourself and mm-hmm. just doing things regardless of people telling you it's not possible. Yes, yeah. ma'am. Um, and I think for, for young um, women of color in particular, this moment, like it's never, it's, it's never been this, this easy in quotation marks to be a writer you know so if you're feeling like maybe I can do it like you can probably do it now in a way that I couldn't even do when I graduated college was in 2009 right Mm -hmm. and I had no sort of you know resources and no Mm -hmm. sort of help and and things like that and I had to figure it out on my own and Mm -hmm. and have people like a Mark Richardson read my tumblr and be (laughs) like I think you're you can do this I think you should do this right now you can you you know we've a, a lot you know we've made things a lot more open and um sort of broken down those barriers where before there were so many gatekeepers so um yeah i think those that's kind of a lot <laughs> like even it's all like, necessary i keep thinking of like other things too i'm like oh maybe this or maybe that <laughs> or um yeah um yeah so right don't ask for permission um figure out ways to create opportunities for yourself or, or just sort of create outlets for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, those are probably the key ones. And find a mentor. Yeah. Can. I love that. So uh, as you were talking, I thought about my grandmother again because she was a writer. Mm. She had a weekly column in a black newspaper for nearly three decades. It's amazing. There is a book this thick yeah. that my uncle put together. He compiled a bunch of her articles throughout that time yeah. and then some of her features in other publications. And she wrote about everything from, you know, the response of black people t- when The Color Purple came out, specifically black men, which me viewing that movie now, I'm not thinking about that, right? right? But at the time it was like big. Right. Um, to like when, <laughs> you know, she's, she's not from Minnesota, she's from Louisiana, but lived in Minnesota, like when they were like building like the mega mall, AKA mall of America, like responses to that. She, you know, was doing what I think now would be akin to giving someone your Instagram handle, which was like letting her readers know where she lived and telling them to visit her and like talk about things with her. (laughs) And like saying like, I'm alone now, come through and talk. I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm talking about all of her children when they got married um, and kind of developing like a close proximity to all of her readers, which was very clear because she wrote a column for like, three decades yeah. basically so do you feel like a closeness with your readers I definitely do especially mm-hmm. people who I've like who've read me um since uh, tumblr even like before tumblr because I had a um I had a I have people who have been like reading my writing since I was on live journal you know wow. I have people who um I had a square space after I had a live journal for like the first two years of college and I had like no like followers on there but it kind of grew um, and like two women in particular, like read me on that Squarespace and they're like two of my like closest friends, like in New York, I see Amazing. them every time I'm there. Like they're these fabulous, like, you know, early thirties, like black women, like New Yorkers, just mm-hmm. super like one's, um, uh, an art director named Jamala Johns. She, oh. yeah, she does a lot of stuff with like Corinne yes. Bailey, right? Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. So we found, you know, I found her awesome. and like her best friend, like Yamani Baker. Um, and we were just like three black girls on the internet you know just kind of getting along so um yeah I you know I I always see them when I'm in New York even if I'm in there for like two days and like (laughs) what are we gonna do like ladies how are we gonna figure this out um and and people who um you know really read me um from Tumblr I made a lot of friends that way you know Mm -hmm. um especially people who were in Chicago and um I uh they were around for you know, I was, I was really vulnerable and really open. So I wrote about, you know, everything from 
racism in college. I wrote about, um, you know, the crazy job struggles that I that I had. I wrote about, you know, being, um, you know, raped in public, right, on the train. And wow. they, you know, were witness to all of that. I wrote about having a miscarriage. I wrote about all of these things. Wow. And so I feel this kind of, like, connection mm-hmm. to, to them. I, I didn't, I wasn't, like, explicit all of the time, but they really... Um, were there for me a lot of times mm-hmm. in a way that some of the people who were supposed to be my, you know, IRL friends mm-hmm. were, were not mm-hmm. like that. Right. Um, and who I've, you know, subsequently like dropped. Cause I was like, wait, I was like, wait, I'm like this, you know, this black girl in Atlanta is sending me, you know, this thousand word email being like, I read like X, Y, and Z. And I just want to say, you know, all these things and just really kind and caring. And then, you know, a friend in real life is just like, like, mm, like you don't want to talk. We have to talk about this right now, you know. Wow. Like, well, okay, <laughs> you know, you How dismissive, yeah, yeah, puts things really like in perspective. So I, I do feel that kind of like connection to to a lot of my readers, um, and the people who follow the work that I do now. You know, I in some ways feel like I'm, I'm kind of, um, I want to like live up to their expectations of the work that I produce. So yeah. I try to kind of in my head be like you know, what are people going to think if this comes out? And and I will turn things down that don't feel like align with, with what I think people expect of me and, and what I sort of um, believe in or expect for myself. So, mm-hmm. yeah. We always talk about that, authenticity, yeah. living and creating from your values and yeah. trying to stay as in alignment with those things as much as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, girl, I am full. <laughs> you are just... <laughs> Sorry if I talk too much. No, just like, no, 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 like no. Writer's no. It's, it's, it's full in a good way. It's like, it was just so You're much substance and like just a whole lot of brilliance. I, wow. Just thank you for just being courageous, you know, thank you. and sharing those stories that are very vulnerable and can be embarrassing for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, it, it does take a lot of courage to just be transparent about, I mean, I didn't know about your experience with the, you know, I don't want to repeat it, but yeah, some well, it's of okay. those experiences. That's what my book is about. So, I mean, it's not really about that, but it's it's partially about that experience. Mm-hmm. So, um, and because the book I'm re- working on is about um, sort of the the I call it like the manifestation and dismantling of trauma mm-hmm. and how like trauma sort of like you know how it sort of presents itself um, after something really traumatic happens yes. and and how it can sort of sometimes be really tricky because we think something bad happens and then you just oh you cry about it you mm. know or you make these sort of almost like stereotypical sort of actions or decisions but sometimes trauma manifests in really weird ways or we make sort of adaptations to our lives to absolutely. survive right absolutely and and I did that and I didn't realize I was doing that mm-hmm. and and I kept on like writing all these essays that were sort of about all of these things and mm-hmm. not real like it took me like three years to kind of like be like oh my god like this you is a thread <laughs> this is yeah, what yeah this exactly. is the thread yeah. like and, and you all of these decisions happen because of this one thing and, wow. and what does that mean and who are the person I'm like what kind of person are you now because yeah. of that situation um so yeah I have no problem talking about it because I think it's 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 what I'm like working on it's yeah. gonna, what I'm gonna be working on for like the next probably like year <laughs> anyway so. beautiful keep us posted on yeah, that project too absolutely. um we have a book club now Ooh, so nice. you know we could explore Yay. having it be something that we bring our community around to explore because yeah, it sounds like it touches great. on some things that are I mean unfortunately more common for all of us yeah. you know as women period but as black women too yeah 
So to be able to um, process it in community would be amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I will keep that in mind. <laughs> so we've had such an amazing time today. I feel like we probably should have you back on the show later. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I feel like we totally were not finished. But, you but, know. Um, how can people, you know, keep in touch with you and your work? Where can we find you? Um, so uh, I'm pretty much Britticisms everywhere online. <laughs> so it's B-R-I-T-T-I-C-I-S-M-S. That was a nickname I came up with when I was like 19. It's a cute one. Too. It's 11 it is years. Really cute. <laughs> <laughs> Still have it, you know, and that's what I am on Twitter and Instagram, um, Pinterest, like uh, Tumblr, like I mentioned before. Um, and uh, my all my writing stuff is almost always like shared to like those platforms. Um, and yeah, it's that's that's where you can find me. Lovely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And we look forward to keeping up with you and all the magical things you have. Thank you. <laughs> hey, guys. To stay in touch, be sure to join our email list at blackgirlandgnome.com. Follow us on Instagram. Say hello to us on Twitter. And like us on Facebook at Black Girl and Gnome. There are so many great stories that people of color, women, and queer folks want to tell but don't have a place to share them. Post Loudness, our podcast collective, wants to create a community of unique voices and audio. Love to James T. Green, Cher Vincent, and Alex Cox for creating Post Loudness and letting us be a part of it. Special love also to Aline Kaze, our audio engineer, to Khalid B. and Peter Espenson for the music you hear throughout the show. And thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to breathe easy. Yeah.